You are listening to episode number 18 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leads to a lasting impact in your business, brand, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons that you want and need to become love noteworthy. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of The Love Noteworthy Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have so many exciting projects on the go. I just came back from uh, doing a workshop all about figuring out your passions and developing and finding your dream career at the Young Women in Business Beyond Pink conference this past weekend. It was such a great experience to be presenting to these wonderful women. So shout outs to you guys. Uh, the second exciting thing that's been happening is the resumeboutique.com has officially launched. And so for those of you who are not designers who are looking for a design savvy resume template, you can definitely check out this site again, www.theresumeboutique.com. And there are Microsoft Word compatible templates that are very modern and custom. And you can essentially plug in all of your pertinent information uh, to really get your leg up on the competition when applying for your dream career. So check those resources out. But today, more importantly, um, what I wanted to first ask you is, do you have a woman that you really idolize that is an executive or the founder of a company that is really killing it in her career in her industry and she's Canadian. So on, upon reflection, I've been looking at the people that I really idolize in the business community and there are very few Canadian women that really I aspire to be more alike. And I don't know if that's just because I'm not looking or if I'm just not aware. But I was so fortunate to be able to interview Tara, who is one of the women that I really look up to in the Canadian tech sector. And she is absolutely crushing it with her business, which is called Splice Software. And what they do is work with Fortune 1000 companies to create meaningful data-driven dialogue with their customers. And we'll be talking a lot more about what that means in the interview today. But what I wanted to say is that Tara is an amazing woman. She not only has started up companies since she was like 21 years old, but she also has an amazing family life, recognizes the importance of work-life balance and taking time off to really spend with her kids, which I think is so important. And in addition to that, she runs a successful company and has received a ton of accolades for it. And that includes being on the Chatelaine slash Profit W100. She was a leader of Tomorrow for a business in Calgary. The company is in the Profit 500 magazine feature, as well as a number of other awards. So with that, today we're going to be talking about how to build an empire in the tech sector and cater to Fortune 1000 companies. So without further ado, here is the interview with Tara Kelly of Splice software. To the Love Noteworthy Show. I'm your host, Reese, and today I am so pleased to be speaking with an exceptional female role model that is leading a major company as a founder, president, and CEO in an industry that is still lacking both female involvement and leadership, and that industry is technology. This amazing woman that I'm talking to today is Tara Kelly, and the company that she owns is Splice Software. So hi, Tara. Thank you so much for being on the show today. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Reese. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Excited to get a chance to talk with you and the audience. Yeah, I'm very much so looking forward to uh, just diving in and asking you a million questions about your company. But before we do that, I'm going to give our audience a little bit more background about yourself. So as I said, Tara is the founder, president and CEO of Splice Software and has a passion for enabling clients to engage in a meaningful data driven dialogue with their customers. As a serial entrepreneur who has developed three companies, Tara's expertise is multidimensional, but... Uh, is focused on creating businesses that use technology to enhance operations, service, and customer experience. Tara prides herself on her ability to motivate and organize within her company and her community. In addition to running Splice Software, Tara coaches competitive soccer, is a former president of the Montessori Alternative Public School Society, and is a volunteer for the Kidney Foundation, among other community groups. So we are very blessed to have her on the show today. Um, And Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business? business background, um, as I explained it, but perhaps in a bit more depth, and uh, when you decided to start your own companies? Um, so really, I think in a lot of ways, I'm the accidental entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> my, my, my biggest uh, hurrah into the world was a, a retail store in uh, health food uh, with services and um, practitioners and renting space for me, and that really was, you know, you're, you're in college, and you write this business plan um, and then kind of a dare to try it and so I submit this business plan and I get like six figure funding and I think oh my gosh are you crazy I'm just young <laughs> um, and so there it was I opened the Kelly Center of Wellness and uh, you know bought my first you know license um, my first you know retail space and storefront and did my first reno and and I'm I'm 21 years old and uh, and so it was it was pretty cool it was pretty amazing and at the time I I didn't know where that was going to go I just knew that I was planning on paying my bills and making it a success. So um, one thing led to another, um, eventually developing a reminder software system um, for for practitioners and for my own business, and that was the launch of Simply Health Systems, and and then moving um, um, from that into Splice, and it, it really is actually a natural progression, honestly, it is, it's not as schizophrenic as it sounds. Um, but my background uh, with technology when I was a kid, my dad was a developer. I wrote, you know, one of my first programs as a nine-year-old in, in COBOL, and I still remember it would ask you different questions depending on what age you were. And um, but I learned that technology was magical, and that uh, if you gave the computer the right data, it could do a lot with it. And I think that really inspired. Um, what has always been things around operational service and support. And um, I just believe that the world can be better. And I think as human beings, we have a lot of um, natural ability to take great care of each other. And as we go out and build businesses, we need to find ways to enable technology to allow us to do that. We need to take great care of each other and great service. And, and all of that ties into everything from net promoter to the next. So, yeah. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about... Um, starting your business at 21, like hiring employees for it. Like you said, you were doing renos and this was all the while you were going to school, correct? Yeah. So in the end, um, I did not finish. Um, I, I ran my business full time. There was no way yeah. um, that was going to happen. So working on a BCom and saying, okay, I'm going to get back to that. Um, and so uh, I was not I was not in school at the same time, thank goodness. Um, I think anyone who's running a full-on business, my best advice really is if you're in it, just be in it 120% 
mm-hmm. all your all your heart, soul, passion. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a lot. You quickly found out what you didn't know, and I think you have to be humble enough and ready for that. And um, you just feel like you're showing up to work every day to realize what one more thing you don't know about and <laughs> so the only way you're going to get through that is admit that you don't know it because you can't take it um, and <laughs> ask for help and uh, find some great mentors and so the concept of mentors was like totally foreign to me I remember seeing it on the business plan and thinking really I, I know what a coach is I would you know I played sports as a kid and I know what this means, but I, I did not know what it meant in business really when I got started. And um, as soon as you hit some of those tough spots, you quickly realized, oh, oh, oh I get it. <laughs> I get what these people are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, personally, I just uh, started, I did a BCom degree actually, which is funny, but um, they had a mentorship program integrated into the degree program. And so I didn't take advantage of it until my last semester of my final year. And I was like, why didn't I do yeah. this like four years ago? Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Reese, that's, that's a huge point. So I mean, if I was going to shout out one thing really loud, it would be that my gosh, get mentors early. Um, but then the second thing that I think belongs perfectly with that and so many people forget is you probably could be a mentor to somebody else right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've had experiences that, that somebody else would really gain from. And so I think the, the message I always say is that it's an ecosystem. And, um, you know, you need to be participating on both sides, both the giving and the getting. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. So I guess you talked a little bit about your past and how you've been fairly entrepreneurial from a fairly young age. Have you had the experience of working for someone else or have has it always been you that has been your own boss? Yeah, I, I absolutely have. I uh, grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and um, so that's a big oil and gas town. Yeah. And, uh, of course, every good girl going to school or boy goes and works some summer jobs in oil and gas. So large companies, uh, Canadian Natural Resources, um, some other some other big ones, but that's probably one of the biggest, you know, thousands and thousands of employees. Uh, um, and I think that there is a chance to be sort of a, an entrepreneur or, or however we choose to sort of phrase mm-hmm, that, but mm-hmm. there's always a business unit driving a need. Um, and there, there really is, no matter how big something is as an organization, there's a chance to stand up for what you believe in and push for it, right? I think those opportunities are always there. Um, and I did enjoy it. And I, I still believe to this day I could go be a, a good worker for, for some other companies. So, so I I, um, I think entrepreneurialism lives in, in the heart and soul of who you are. Um, but it, but when you have a phenomenal team, um, that's, that's one of the best things you can ever do is have trust and confidence in other people's abilities. And sometimes their ability is is to step up and be part of leading that charge and and you maybe have a smaller charge behind it so um i think no matter where you are in in your in your career and in your in your company there's a chance to you know be the entrepreneur of your own little unit um in a bigger ecosystem yeah i love that and i think one of the things that really uh fascinates me is that the concept of how like leadership and management in an organization are while they align quite often, they not necessarily are one in the same in that you can be a leader in any role or have, like you said, that entrepreneurial mindset. But um, yeah. oftentimes, like obviously, it's advantageous if you can step up and do that while you're in a management role. So you're able to kind of set the precedent for the people that you're working with. But 
Yeah, and I think you got to read your own monitors really, really on that. And whatever is making you happy, whatever gets you in your magic zone where you, you really feel the work is just exploding out of you and it's just you're creating beautiful work that's really, really high value to people around you and it's really driving a change or a difference or an improvement, right? And I think if, if what you're doing is, is you know, maybe a more of a manager job and maybe you're not a full-on entrepreneur, but it's, you're, you're excited, you're happy, you wake up, you're, you're, you're jacked to go to work. Like, it's good, this is good stuff. Um, <laughs> you never want to get away from that. And I think you should be able to have that moment, right, where you realize in the shower, like, you're pumped, like, you're, you're planning the list, though. This, is, this was a good run this morning. So yeah, yeah. I think that you got to trust your heart um, and you got to be honest with it because that's what fuels that's what fuels human beings is how how much passion you can drive into those goals um and that's where you'll know if you're in the right spot and you mean an entrepreneur that isn't bursting at the seams with passion and excitement and, and i'll tell you you're going to meet someone who's not going to be very successful and i i really i really do believe that no matter how great their product is or anything else yeah absolutely i'm totally with you on that so Let's uh, use that as a transition to talk about Splice Software. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what it is, what it does, sort of where you got the idea behind it? I know you said you transitioned like another company that you formerly uh, were running into Splice. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we bought the IP um, of, of a previous uh, Tiffany reminder system, but um, really, um, Keep in mind, I, I had a pretty strong technology background. Um, was really, you know, aware of what happened around, you know, in the 80s around database warehousing and storing of data, and 90s, and and a mm-hmm. good sense for that. And so I take this phone call, and um, and it's it's with one of my one of my uh, telcos here in Canada, and it was such a bad IVR, like automated robo voice. <laughs> who I was, it was just garbage. It was so bad. And I, I didn't have a plan. I had no plan at that time. All I knew is when I hung up the phone, I said to myself, this can be better. This can be better, like so much better. And this is the time when, you know, music, we're mixing music and, and we're layering in multiple sounds. And I'm like, okay, so we know what's possible in sound. And I know what they have in their database. Why am I getting this garbage? Like. This is worse than the reminder system I built ten years ago for you know you know small micro businesses and dog rumors and chiropractors right like, <laughs> how is this possible <laughs> so um, I, I, and, and it was a telco you know so I, I really was just it was really from a place of like I I can't let this continue this this is wrong now, I don't have a plan but but my plan is I'm going to make it better and I'm going to find really smart people and we're going to work together and, and we're, we're going to make it different. Um, so today we actually crowdsource voice talent from all over the world and we ensure that when our audio, so we create, um, what we basically are creating is automated audio um, and so voice files for outbound proactive notices, but they can be licensed anywhere. And so in order to get it right, I figure you probably need the right language. You should have the right dialogue mm-hmm. because it makes me feel more comfortable. And really, why should you have the right sentiment? Right? If I've been irate, do I want some system that's like, oh, hi, I'm calling about your claim. Okay, I just crashed my car. That doesn't feel good. <laughs> um, right? So, yeah, right? That's and it's really important. Um, and then it should be real time. If I was just online, if I was just on your mobile app, if I was, you know, why, why does the world have these big silos when the Internet of Things is changing everything? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we fundamentally built a different type of automated voice system. We don't record words. 
words don't sound right beside each other. It doesn't even matter how much you splice or dice them. It can't sound that good because I change the way I say the word depending on what I'm saying it with. And I think that goes back to, you know, the first question you asked me. I'm a total common sense girl, and I think technology should be used to enable us to take better care of each other. And, and part of that is how we talk to each other. And I think everybody's mom said that to them at some point, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, again, like nonverbal communication or just like tone and that sort of thing is so undervalued in communication, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So we were pretty excited when the movie Her came out because really it's like <laughs> yeah. watching, you know, a better voice experience hip hop culture. If Scarlett Johansson did sound so good, he would have never fallen in love with right? <laughs> the operating system. For anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it. It was great. Um, but it, it, it's, it's awesome to see a hip hop culture. And I think the world is saying, you know what, it can be better. And, and maybe I was a crazy lunatic, you know, in August of 2006 when I said, I don't care, I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to happen, but we're going to make it better. Um, but we really have been doing it. So we've got over, you know, hundreds of millions of voice interactions all over North America uh, and, and some into Europe. Um, and and the, the whole the whole passion here is to make sure that it feels right, it sounds right, and it's accurate. Um, and I don't think that's asking too much. I, I try to make sure I take care of my friends like that. If I talk to you on your birthday, I make sure I say happy birthday, right? If it's the first day of school, and I know my you know friend just put her kid out to university or wherever, I, I check in on that. And, and that's small data in my life, right? That's what big data looks like with your friends and family. And so as organizations, I think we need to get back to common sense. And we say, hey, there's tons of server space out in the world. Uh, storage is cheap uh, and it's a small planet, smaller all the time. Let's crowdsource the world so that we can create the best audio experiences in real time. And um, people need to raise the bar because if anything's possible, we're, we're living in a really, really cool time. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And I mean, I think it's amazing like the way that you kind of started your company I find that a lot of entrepreneurs like the ones that are the most successful um, their ideas come from a major pain point that they have in their lives as opposed to just like brainstorming an idea and being like how can I make money and then like just trying to come up with a business plan you know what I mean like it's always out of a pain point that it turns into a passion project and then suddenly becomes like a huge company because you're driven to I don't know, solve the yeah. problem. And then you can find people that are really excited about it too, right? You yeah. meet this person that's really obsessed with good customer service and all of a sudden they're like, you're right, you're right. Why, why is it like that? We just did a project with uh, a major Canadian telco, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, we we were able to beat the, in, the existing IVR system. Uh, they were getting a transfer rate, which was the goal, get people to be engaged in transfer of 8%. And we've been able to get to 42. Um, wow. we, we first bid for this project. Yeah, we said we could do 14. I wasn't really that sure. But you want and get excited and realize that if you apply common sense and if you, um, you know, just can sit down at the drawing board and say, look, we are we're going to have to do something different if we're going to be fundamentally that much better. And, and you gotta, you got to figure out where you can take chances and where you can't. Um, and, and I think that's where, where all those great expressions that really are great expressions, things like fail fast, fail forward, right? Yeah. Push the envelope, do something that matters. And, and it's fun. It's so easy to have fun when you're doing that. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the concept of data-driven dialogue with customers. Can you elaborate a bit on that and what it means for businesses in their multi-channel marketing? Yeah. So uh, one of them would be maybe like a proactive claims notice. And so if uh, I just had a car accident 
and I call in and I submit my claim or I, I fax it in or I do it online, um, I'm worried, you know, it's my car, this is my life, I'm stressed out. Um, one of the easy things that Splice can do is grab data fields, like the fact that, you know, my name's Tara and I just crashed my Audi and I did it on, you know, Elbow Drive. Um, and maybe I forgot to fill out uh, an important part of the police report number or something. And so I can get a phone call that says, you know, hi Tara, we're calling regarding your accident with your Audi on Elbow Drive. We require your, you know, file number um, to complete your claim. Great. You know, get that message out to me as fast as possible. Don't wait till a call center agent can do it. Don't just, you know, email me blind and I have to sort of type that through and, and, and be able to transfer it. So there's, uh, there's so many points that data is coming in from mm-hmm. um, that it's, it's super easy. And, and maybe if you notice that I filled it out online and you also can notice because Splice can tell you, hey, uh, uh, Tara's calling from a mobile phone. You're calling her on a mobile phone. Maybe just, just remind me, hey, we have a mobile app. Um, you know, press one and we'll text you the link, download it now, or go to your app store, right? So connecting people's lives and worlds to make it easier. Um, and, and with hands-free and with Bluetooth and everything else, um, voice is just becoming a more and more important channel. There's going to be so many voice enabled devices before we know it. Uh, we need to have a better sounding experience, and it needs access to data that doesn't necessarily, you know, doesn't necessarily represent private information or personally identifiable information. So, yeah, data-driven dialogue is about assessing, um, you know, personal privacy and security as well as relevancy, and ensuring that we're we're really getting the right message to the right person at the right time. That's great. That's great. So obviously, this is an amazing product, um, and I'm sure. Like, I know you focus on Fortune 1000 companies for the most part. How did you originally yeah. get your foot into the door with, like, getting these clients on board with your vision? So I think you got to be stubborn as heck. Uh, that's probably <laughs> more important. Anybody who ever said you are way stubborn, that's great. Thank you. No, uh, seriously, <laughs> actually. You've got to find a way to make them feel safe. And, yeah. and so I will go back full on to startup days. You have to have, you know, errors and emissions insurance. You have to have the little boring checkboxes that don't sound, you know, sound as fun and crazy and sexy because in order for these big companies to work with you, they also have to make sure that they're, you know, doing right by their shareholders and they're mm-hmm. following policy and, and that's that's how they sustain over time. And, and so make sure that you review the, you know, the, the process uh, and operational documents that allow you to do commerce. One of the interesting things I often find is when I'm mentoring or when I'm out there or even analyzing our new products, I'll say, wait a minute, step back, guys. Have we actually put the papers in process that they can do business with us, right? Mm-hmm. Do we even send them an NDA? Do we have a good contract? Do we have these things? And then you've got to give them a way to test and measure. Um, people are used to everything online for free. They want to build it. Try it, test it easily. Maybe yours isn't quite free, but you really got to come up with an easy model so that they can take a chance uh, without taking a massive risk. Mm-hmm. Right. So, two major points I would say when you're when you're going to try to hit at the you know way above your waist, you know your 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 weight level, um, you really you got to know that your paperwork, your contracts, your everything is in order so that they actually can do business with you. It, it, it's very critical. Um, not just I love your technology, but you know, I can't, I can't work with you. That, that doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, and then f- figure out a way to deploy simple. Uh, um, and so come up with, you know, can we have a quick start program and we offer in finance, insurance and retail and you can sort of try our stuff without making any major changes. There's, there's just no infrastructure necessary. So 
most organizations, I think, no matter how tricky that is, there is a way to do it. Um, just get down at the table, get at the whiteboard, and, and, and promise yourself you're not leaving until you got it figured out, and then try it. And you might not get it perfect the first time, but um, that's that fail, fail forward thing. Yeah, that's great. And so for other tech startups, do you have any advice on raising funding or capital at the beginning? This kind of ties into it, I guess, as well, just like really selling your concept. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, and I wish I lived a thousand lives to answer it. <laughs> first thing, yeah, I really do. I, it's a great question. You're going to need money. That's a guarantee. Yeah. The question is how much when, right? The question is how much when. So I think my best advice is make sure you ask multiple people what they would do with your business model. There's lots of ways to sell things, hosting fees, advertising revenues, right? Uh, user fees, licensing fees, mm-hmm. per instance fees, or service. Like, so you got to look at what you're choosing as a financial model. And if that model has a longer ramp up period, and this is where you can use statistics and evidence and pass examples that they're out there. There is big data for everyone, right? So yeah. um, figure out if your financial model typically has a longer uh, sort of cycle to scale up. If it does, you better fund heavy because you need to get the thing going right away. But at the same time, I think getting too much funding before you have a raving fan is completely insane. Yeah. Um, I think the faster you can get to a customer, the better. I know personally I would never invest um, without, without a customer uh, engaged in some way. Right, and and maybe they're not paying, but they gotta. Somebody has to be willing to stand there and say, "My life is better because your product exists." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know. My life is oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, no, like, go um, I know, like, just in talking to a lot of tech startups, like, it's so important for them to establish sort of a minimum viable product or MVP or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, um, and yeah. just really show that like proof of concept because. I mean, like ideas may sound great, but you may not have the right target market or you may not have the idea refined or the price point might be wrong. And so until, like you said, you have that first and second and like third customer, it's really hard to validate getting funding, I would think, unless you have like a very wealthy I don't know, friend or something like that. Exactly. Well, you know what? You got to know at that point. So you, you, I think you nailed it. Actually, Reese, that's exactly the truth. They're betting on you, and even when you have a viable product, they're still betting on you. So the less the product, the more it's just personal. That person is looking you in the eyes and saying, "I have no idea if what you're saying is true or not, but I believe in you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take this chance." Um, and so if you feel like you want to go out there and raise money in the world just on your name alone um, and how much they believe in you, um, try it. Um, but the truth is, you know, if you're, if you're really trying to create the value, you're, I strongly think you get to product viability as bootstrapped as you can possibly go. Yeah. The moment you have viability, you should get as much money as you can and move as fast as you can um, because, because the world moves very, very quickly these days and if you're having this great idea chances are darn good there's a couple other guys that are having this great idea yeah 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 who executes better who executes faster right absolutely um so let's talk a little bit about kind of business logistical things that i'm very curious about so what were what was like the most challenging part of starting your company would you say um that's such a great question i think you know the like getting that board of advisors in place early enough and getting the right people um, is is 
logistically is challenging. Mm-hmm. Understanding, uh, um, you know, do you really need, you know, when do you have to have director's insurance? When do you need, you know, errors and emissions? When do you need, when do you need? Um, is it critical to have everybody in the same building, right? Um, yeah. You know, startups happen and they're out of houses and this and that. What does the word synergy mean in your company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how expensive is it to develop in the wrong direction um, because you thought you were saying the same thing, but because you're not talking often enough, it wasn't true. Um, so I, I think the other thing too is like those silly things, like are you, you guys gonna work with like a hip chat from Atlassian or Google talk, right? Like um, coming up with your communication platforms um, and your minimum standards for how you're gonna treat each other. Um, and it sounds like just, you know, are you going to be nice to each other? But I mean more like, what are you communicating? What aren't you? How do you stay in the loop? Um, you you got to get that stuff hammered out fast because you're going to stumble on it and it, it just really slows your race. Uh, it, it slows it a ton. And I think the other thing that sounds um, fluffy, but, but I don't care, um, <laughs> I, think you need, I think you need cheerleaders. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially if you're hard on yourself and, and you're going into a battle and you're going to be wrong and you're going to be publicly wrong or at least like public to your own team. <laughs> you got to be able to make guesses and learn fast. And, um, you need somebody who's cheering for you and, and I think you should never underestimate how important it is. And It's okay when it's your mom, but it's better when you got a few others too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we... Your mom or your spouse. I mean, those are good fallback spots, but truly... Um, you get get somebody that you respect like crazy mad and 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 plus your mom and plus because of course you respect them like crazy but yeah of um, course. I'm a mom of two boys so of course it's mandatory but <laughs> I do I think I think the more cheerleaders you've got in your camp the better um, but don't underestimate the logistics right of 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 you know sort of what how are you going to communicate how are you going to track you know are you guys going to be a base camp startup or are you, you going to use something like you know dev tracking tickets from jira what's overblown what's not um and then i think one of the other things that is constantly a lesson that i, I haven't even learned enough yet myself is the power of, of pr mm. and and being part of the network if you get some raven fans you get that you know mvp or whatever you want to call that you know viable product not getting out on top of the rooftops, not getting out on top of Everest and screaming it down to the world is crazy. You've got to share that story. And so you've got to be funded enough and planned enough and have your story down that you can passionately share with the world fast, right? And so, um, you know, planning for PR, planning for success. And, and I think people plan for all the money and they write these long, you know, blown out performers and it's Excel about how much money they're going to make when they get, you know, 80% market share in two years yeah <laughs> um, and they got that part figured out um, but really how you're going to support telling the story and 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 making sure that people understand why the world needs your product why why are people's lives better um, and whether it's you know a desktop automation whether it's the you know whatever it is whether it's it's voice files or better socks um, why does the world better with your product and that's the story you have to be really ready to tell yeah, absolutely. That's so, so key. And I've heard that like time and time again from, again, successful companies. It's all about the crafting your story and again, like minimizing pain points for your potential customers. So um, just so let's talk about hiring. Do you have any strategies on finding good talent in an industry, especially in the tech industry? Yeah, you know what? Um, we just a job recently um, on uh, a development job and I was I was pretty excited I came home and I said oh my god we just got like 86 resumes on a <laughs> this is 
insane. Like, oh, wow, this is amazing. How did we get this lucky? Uh, but it's not that lucky. So that goes back to the ecosystem. But here's the one thing I think. You have to be sincere here. People smell fake. It just smells thin, it smells shallow, it smells bad, it doesn't feel like they want to be around it, yeah. right? So when you think about the story, if you start crafting a story that your grandma wouldn't recognize as being you, you're probably on the wrong track, mm-hmm. right? It's got to be sincere. So with hiring, uh, first thing you should do is get involved with all the local schools, communities, volunteer, you know, be part of, like for us, Python user group, and, and, and I do entrepreneur talks at universities, and uh, all those things, get out there and just give back. Don't, don't have an ask in it at the beginning, just be excited to be part of an ecosystem, um, and, and, and reciprocity is, is powerful. So number one, I think there's that app. You gotta also take care of these people. They don't show up to work, you know, for free water and a paycheck. Yeah. If, if you're a tech company, these people wanna come to work and believe that number one, that's code they write is going to actually get used and and, and better yet it's, it's actually making the world better in some way yeah. and those are the kind of people you want in your company so if you don't take the time to explain the wins to them you know take the time to explain the customer story so you show up to a tech group and you start talking about the customer if they're not interested and everybody wishes you just go away I'd say fire them all like it, it, it's not good <laughs> right so you want people to genuinely Care. And caring doesn't just happen in one isolated incident in yeah. your life. So when you're interviewing, if you want those, you know, creative caring people, look for it in their life. Like look for it in their community. Look for it on the bus or the train or public transit or what they do on the weekend. Like it's it's gonna be who they are. They're either that person or they're not. And um, and also, I I sometimes rarely meet people until they're they're at the last part. I might see them in the hallway for interviews. Staff, let the, let your own staff interview the heck out of them. Let them all rank them on on core values, right? And, mm-hmm. and just just really be rigorous. And so we go through a pretty big process actually for the size of our, our company, and we also get them to do tech assessments. If we don't hire you, we'll pay you for your time, but we'll give you a project to do first. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, and then we you know we'll give you money for it. If we hire you, then great. And if we don't, then um, that's fine. But be have high standards. It is. This is. It's, it's that simple. Have really, really high standards, um, and be fun and be authentic. Because fake is everywhere, and you're going to have a tough time selling it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. So, do you um, just from the other side of things, as a business owner, do you have any tips on how to run a company successfully, but and efficiently, but not go crazy? I know that there's always that challenge of this like pseudo or. I don't even know if this is real, but the work-life balance idea, but... Yeah, I personally think take the word balance and, you know, throw it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know who defined it as a problem, right? Like, wait a minute, what's the ratio I'm shooting for here? Yeah. So it's, it's a... I, I, don't, I don't think um, I have any advice for anybody else other than if it doesn't feel good, it's not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you feel like you're missing things that matter and, and you're feeling bad, you better explore that. Um, you, 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 can, you can do almost anything, but you can't do everything, um, no matter who you are, right? You can do almost anything, but you really can't do everything, especially at once. Um, so figure out what's important to you and, you know, honest to God, if you want to have balance, maybe just do some yoga and if, if figure out what's eating away at you, get it sorted out. Um, 
I, I do a lot of things that matter a lot to me. Today's a great example. Um, you know, it's first day back to school. My my youngest is starting middle school, and Aww. so I came in. Yeah, damn late to work. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened this morning. Let's be honest. Um, but I, I I'm gonna balance it out, and so I knew that was important to me, and there was no way I was gonna miss that. Um, you know, and um, I've I've had times before when I've flown home across the country uh, for for a playoff game. And, and flown back for meetings the next morning on a red eye. Um, is it crazy? I don't know. I wasn't tired because I felt so good yeah, that yeah. I was where I wanted to be, right? So you got to know what feels good, and, and if it doesn't feel good, it's not going to work. So just, just make sure it feels good. That's great. So do you have any um, key skill sets that you believe that all leaders or business owners need to have in order to successfully run their business? Yeah. Uh, I, I hope so. I think maybe. Uh, <laughs> one of the ones I definitely think is um, you have to felt to be flexible. Um, okay. Not, not wishy-washy, but flexible in that every day there is actually new information developing. Yeah. And what you have to felt to determine is that the new information, is it more important? Does it change your direction? And it, And you can't change with all the new information or you'll never get anywhere but when does it matter and when doesn't it and you have to be willing to reevaluate um constantly constantly reevaluating uh, the very fast changing world and so i think people that get very uh fixated on this is the path and this is the way um it can be challenging in a technology company because the world the world does change and things things change and even if you're working on a very static project your people change and so um that is one for sure. And the other one is just the ability to have fun and not take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever your fun looks like, I, I think you have to have it. It's it's how you keep your gas tank full and, and stay excited about your job. So I think I think I would always say as a leader, you you got to be able to have some, you got to be passionate and, and whatever that looks like. Um, and then I think you got to be you got to be humble enough to know that your really your goal is to find people that are you know ridiculously smart that are willing to hang out with you, and, yeah, yeah, uh, and work and work hard towards a vision. And so you got to leave enough room for them to be brilliant. And um, and I think that that's that's a balancing act, and um, that comes from being a good a good team player and you know behaving in kindergarten, I guess. Yeah, that's great, great, great advice. Um, in terms of like working in the tech realm i know that obviously still and it's 2014 like almost 2015 but that's yeah. still predominantly run by men like there's very few companies in the tech realm that are one like started by women and then looking deeper into the actual staff of companies that have like 10 or more employees there's just a very low percentages of like female engineers or software developers have you ever found it challenging or has it been more beneficial being like a woman in sort of a male-dominated industry? Um, so yeah, I can only answer this for myself, really, yeah. and from what I've observed. Um, for me, I think it's actually been, uh, in a lot of ways, an asset. Um, if I had to stand out always um, amongst everyone, you know, if you do a code competition, oh my God, if I actually compile my code, they're, you know, half impressed. But um, so I think, I think, um, and that's not fair and it's not right, but what my point is, is there is, um, there in some ways are lower expectations and and because of that, when you outperform them, it's easier to shine. (laughs) I I found that it's it's easier to get interviews 
it's easier to get time, it's easier to get space, people are excited about it, they want to use you as a role model, um, you know, they, you, they want you to come talk at their university. So sometimes I honestly think I've been able to go and talk about how exciting it is to be an entrepreneur in technology at these universities and therefore recruit some phenomenally brilliant students. And part of it just might be because I'm a female-run, you know, tech company. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, so I think that you should play every card in your deck. But the, the thing is, girl or guy or, or whatever it is, everybody has a card that's unique. And, and that goes back to that same thing that you said. And people you know, say it a lot, but it's how you tell your story. Mm-hmm. What's your story? What's that part of your unique sauce? you you got to keep it in. Um, you know, I have probably one of the greatest St. Patrick Day parties every year. It's because my name's Tara Kelly, and so I have to. And so I think that's <laughs> what we got there. Right? But I think St. Patty is because I'm from Tara Kelly, but they were Irish. But my point is every business has that too, right? And so, um, yeah, being a girl in tech has been a big advantage for me. Um, there's There's been times where, you know, I think it's made the difference. And um, I'm sure there's times where it's been a challenge. Um, but I think you just, you play the best cards you have every time every hand and sometimes it's going to show up as a plus sometimes it might not um but your job is to figure out which is the best card in your deck and play it yeah absolutely that's a great analogy all right um i just have a couple more questions for you so what trends do you see in the future for optimizing customer relationship management so i think um i believe in a return to to more more common sense approaches. I think people are starting to, I think the Internet of Things is, is truly driving what might become an omni-channel experience. So for better customer experience, you're going to see more devices communicating. I think as we try to get our hands around this privacy and information and security mm-hmm. of data, uh, what's, what's going to start emerging is a, you know, a simpler stack of software, a more friendly open source environment where there is data being shared and exchanged and, um, and for the greater good. And I think that's going to happen everywhere from health um, and service to the way we offer customer service and what we're buying where. So. Um, I think the Internet of Things is really, truly going to drive customer service because life doesn't belong in silos um, and, and neither do our customer relationships. I believe that fundamentally businesses start because they want to take phenomenal care of their customer and then they get all these things that are sort of stuck in between them and doing that. And so I think by connecting the world and, uh, um, and, and having a simpler integration and just simple APIs and, and just making it a smaller planet, ultimately we're going to do what we want to do and that's just take really great care of each other um, and you know get our jobs done every day a little faster, a little more efficient, a little better and, and do some really great stuff. That's amazing. So I guess the final question that I have for you, um, as this is all the time we have today, is and that ties in very well, is um, I ask all of our interviewees this, but how can people be more love note worthy in their business and lives? What tips would you have for them? Ah, uh, so that's a great question. I think that um, you you got to remember that at the end of the day, your 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 staff is not showing up for a paycheck and water. Be real. Um, be real. There's a reason that they wanted to work with you as part of your team. And when your customer chooses to write you a check, they had other choices. They chose you. And and respect where that relationship came from. Everybody that's in a relationship with you today, whether it's your staff, your customer, your vendor, they, they had choices. And um, if you get back to those reasons you chose each other, it's really easy to take great care of each other. 
That is wonderful. Well, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much, Tara, for uh, being interviewed today. I think that you've provided like outstanding insight as I anticipated. <laughs> uh, very, 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 very like amazing advice that I know our listeners will definitely be taking lots of notes from, but we will also have a summary underneath this podcast of some of the key points from the interview today, um, as well as contact information for Splice Software. And Tara, you have a Twitter handle I know that people can engage with you at. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So thank you so much, Tara. This has been another episode of the Love Noteworthy Show. And for all of you out there that are listening, have an amazing week. And thank you so much for being with us today. 